Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. This episode is brought to you by ABC. Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. Andy finally becomes captain, and she's going to give it her all to be the best leader this station has ever seen. Will she succeed? Get ready for fiery new romances and high adrenaline rescues. Watch the Station 19 season premiere tonight at a new time, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Hi, everyone. I'm Dr. John White, WebMD's Chief Medical Officer and host of the Spotlight On series from WebMD's Health Discovered podcast. For this special two-part episode, you'll hear up-close and personal journeys about being diagnosed with a rare type of cancer, multiple myeloma. I started in myeloma nearly 25 years ago. And at that time, the average expectation of life in someone with myeloma was maybe one to two years. But even just in this last 10 to 12 years, we have doubled, if not tripled, the average survival of patients. I saw a new patient this week, and we had this conversation that based on what we've done over the last decade, my expectation is that patient's going to live more than 10 years. Listen to Health Discovered on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, this is Kenny Albert. You're listening to the Broadway Hat Podcast with your host, Kyle Hall, the number one podcast for all things Rangers hockey. Welcome back to the Broadway Hat Podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Hall, and we are approaching a crazy 15-day stretch here for the NHL. In just eight days, the expansion draft for the new Seattle Kraken franchise will take place. Ten days after the expansion draft, we have the NHL entry-level draft. And then 15 days, we're almost two weeks away from NHL free agency to begin. So this could be a crazy, crazy 15 days. And I know we talked about last week's episode. And thank you for the, I mean, we had a ton of DMs and messages this week about our interview with Gord Stellick last week. And it seems like everyone really enjoyed it. I know a lot of people had fun with some of the scenarios we're talking about for big trades that could possibly happen this summer. And I think it's going to happen, especially when you look at what's coming up in this month. Uh, I mean, has there been uh, ever been a July in NHL history with more interest right now? Uh, I mean, so many events happening, so much stuff going on. I think compare when you look at the cap staying flat, teams are going to have to make moves. Teams are going to have to shed salary. And like what Gord said, like you get to lose a young player that might not resign. We've been seeing that as a trend and players wanting to leave like a Seth Jones and trying to get something for him. So I just think it's going to be really a crazy, crazy end of the month here. And to think, I mean, the, the Stanley Cup was just raised Wednesday night, last Wednesday night by the Tampa Bay Lightning. And, and you turn around, the offseason starts so soon, obviously, because of COVID and then got pushed back. And 
now they're starting to get some normalcy to a schedule to get the league uh, started, which I believe is going to be October 12th. We saw that come out last week. Actually, that was broke by our guest this week on the podcast, Mr. John Shannon, actually broke that last week. And we go into that in our interview as well. But yeah, I mean, with the NHL starting to get back onto a regular schedule, it's a really compressed offseason right now. Right after, you know, Ryan McDonough, former New York Ranger captain, raises the cuff for the second time. I was rooting for Tampa in this series. I, I just, I love McDonough. I, I loved his time. I loved him with the Rangers. You know, it was a really crappy trade that they made. Giving him up, I know a lot of Ranger fans look back and they say, why well, didn't get Brandon Point in that trade, uh, which would have been phenomenal. You end up, you know, Niels Lundqvist seems to be the biggest piece of that trade that you, the Rangers did get back, even though it was just a draft pick then. That's what the draft pick turned into. You know, Libor Hayek. Actually, let's get into the Libor Hayek and Brennan Howden. Howden has re-signed a new deal with the Rangers this last week. Brett Howden just re-signed a new deal with the Rangers this last week, a one-year extension. And basically, I saw a lot of people on Twitter upset about it. Basically, that's just to expose him in the expansion draft. They needed him to have one more year in his contract to be able to be exposed. So I think the Rangers kind of showed their hand possibly a little bit there by getting that extension done. I think Howden gets thrown into the draft, which, believe me, I am okay with. Uh, I understand a lot of people, oh, he's 23, 22, whatever he is, a young player. He's had a large sample size. Uh, it was three years now that he's played a regular big-time minutes. Quinn used him a lot, and... I know it was a fourth-line role, but he had his chances up and down the lineup. And all I heard from all these beat reporters back in training camp was, oh, Brett Howden looks so good. He's was playing on the top line when Zibanejad was out with COVID. He's going to take the next step this year. And, I mean, the guy, uh, what, he had two goals? and I think they might have been both empty enters the entire season. Now, he was a very big prospect uh, when he came out and came into the league, obviously. The Rangers like what they saw on him. They like what they saw on Hayek. And I, I believe Hayek's going to get a similar deal to Howden done pretty soon here, so he'll be exposed in the draft as well. Another guy who just didn't take the step that he needed this year, was given every opportunity to solidify a back third-pairing spot and just didn't. Struggled over the World Championships, too, when he saw a larger role there for the Czechs, but you know, he struggled there. So I don't know what they do with him. I think they have a lot more... They have a better prospects coming along than what he's developed into so far. So he'll be a guy that's exposed, and I'm sure they'll get that deal done this next week. And then we'll see if Julian Gauthier is another guy who possibly can get a similar deal done to be exposed. But really quick with Howden and, and Hayek, you know, that's the return you get for McDonough. And you give up McDonough and JT Miller. JT Miller has turned to, I mean, he was a very good player with the Rangers, but he would turn to a fantastic NHL player. Um, he's in Vancouver now. He's playing. He played extremely well this last two years, and obviously McDonough is still just a very solid defenseman. You know, he's you know he's a great. He played the first pairing. He played the second pairing for the Lightning. He played great all the entire Stanley Cup Finals. I mean, he's just he's so solid. He's so good back there. I'm happy that he won the cup. I'm happy he won a second cup. There was no, uh, you know, Eric Stahl played what ten games with the Rangers. You know, when he got traded in the trade deadline, so. There's no real Rangers to root for with um, Montreal. You know, McDonough has the ties to New York, so I was rooting for McDonough. So I'm happy for him. You know, Tampa is kind of embracing the bad guy role now. Kucherov had a crazy press conference, which can't wait to see what Montreal does when they go back up there next year. I'm sure he'll 
get a uh, standing ovation when he gets back up there. But uh, talk about having an entire city hate you, man. That's <laughs> that's gonna be pretty crazy. But you know they're kind of embracing the bad guy role. I saw today they were uh, I think on I don't know if it was already the um, parade or they're on a boat today, but they're all wearing the uh, 18 over the salary cap T-shirts. You know they're playing it up. You know obviously. But yeah, so I'll be looking out for the Hayek to be extended, Gautier to be extended. It seems like there's a rumor that Kevin Rooney is drawing a lot of interest from Seattle. He obviously is eligible to be in the expansion draft. It seems as though it's probably going to come down to either him or Blackwell that's going to be the one Ranger, you know, out of that grouping they will protect. I got to think based off this last season, it's going to be Blackwell. But obviously, I like Kevin Rooney. I'm a big Kevin Rooney fan. We've been a Kevin Rooney podcast from day one. So I'd be really upset to see him leave. I think he's a great fourth line center. And I think that if Howden does move out and, you know, and that's the guy they do select, I think Rooney kind of fills. I mean, he played great in the penalty kill this year. I don't think you lose a lot with Howden gone. I think if Rooney does leave, you, you do lose a little more grit on that fourth line. You know, Rooney led the team in fighting majors this last year. Like I said, he played great penalty kill. He's just a solid fourth liner. Uh, he knows his role. You know, he chipped in a little offensively this year, too. And then we've got Blackwell. I mean, we've talked about Blackwell a ton on this podcast as well. We talked about, well, I mean, we talked about both of them with Team USA playing for them in the World Championships. Covering them was very cool. And Blackwell, you know, he played every um, special team. You know, he played center, played wing. For the Rangers, he played a lot on the second line, but he can also play third and fourth line minutes. He can play a lot of roles. He's a very valuable player to any team, kind of like a Swiss Army kind of a player where you can kind of plug him. And, you know, he's not a consistent top six forward. If he's a top six forward, it's probably not great, you know, uh, for just a depth percent. You know, Rangers this year obviously had injuries and everything else going on. But if he's a guy you can bounce around the lineup and kind of settle into, a bottom six role, I think he's that's where he's gonna slot in. I think it's a perfect spot for him. And I think it really is adds depth to your lineup having a guy like that. So if the Rangers keep him, if the Rangers keep Rooney, I'll be very happy. You know, I've I've been a Gautier fan as well, too. I just think the kid's got a lot of raw talent. I think he's got a lot of size. You we've seen flashes of his play. So I would like to see him stay with the Rangers and see what he can do under Gallant. Whatever he did to Quinn, you know, Quinn just didn't trust him and he never really got out of that doghouse with Quinn, so I like to see him get a second try with another coach. But you know, another guy, if he leaves, there's no real impact on this Rangers roster because he had no impact this year. You know, both guys I talked to, you know, between Stellick and also John Shine talking about the expansion draft. They're like, you know, you're losing, you know, one of your bottom three forwards and one of your, you know, or possibly a bottom pairing defenseman or your backup goalie. You're not losing your top players. You're not losing a, a Panarin or a Zibanejad or anything like that. So really, you shouldn't be that hampered by the expansion draft. A lot of people hate it. A lot of people say, oh, this is, you know, BS, blah, blah, blah. And I think because of Vegas and because of the impact they had in the league, and I think a lot of teams kind of panicked around Vegas. I think a lot of teams gave up more than they should have. I think they overthought the process. I think some GMs learned from that. And uh, and I don't think Seattle's going to have the same impact on the league that Vegas did. But I think because of the expansion draft, because the Rangers have some cap space, I think they can play a role here in possibly taking a deal uh, or helping a team out with some, uh, you know, facilitating a deal for someone and possibly 
getting some extra picks at the draft coming up or pot, maybe even adding a player that, you know, an unexpected player to the team that could have an impact on the line. So we'll see. I mean, the Rangers have a lot of options. They have some money to play around with. Um, so I can definitely see them being an active player in the next couple of days here. Obviously, going to the NHL draft, the question is, are they going to keep the 15th overall selection? Are they going to trade it? We talked about, again, you know, you got to keep talking about the Jack Eichel, you know, possibility with New York. We talked about that with John Shannon as well. You know, the rumors change every day with him, you know, where he's going, you know, L.A., New York, uh, Columbus. Uh, there's another team I saw today, St. Louis. You know, Vegas is now interested. Every day it changes. So if that deal does come through to New York, you got to think the 15th overall pick is in that. You look at some other guys that are names are floating around now. Tarasenko's name got thrown out there. He's apparently mad at the Blues for the handling of his injury. To be honest with you, I saw Jeremy Rutherford, the Athletics, said the Rangers are a possible team. I don't know why. You know, they don't need a winger, especially that type of money. I'm sure he would love to play with his fellow countrymen and Panarin. But, you know, the Rangers are going to, you know, spend that kind of money. I would think it's going to be on the center position. And to be honest with you, if he ends up in New York, it's going to be on Long Island with the Islanders. I think he would fit perfectly on that Islanders team. I don't know where they are at cap wise that they can take on a seven. I think a seven point five million dollar contract. It might, it might even go up after this year in the back end. Um, I'm not even sure if they can afford that or what they what their cap space uh, you know, situation is. I I'm, I know Sezikis is a guy who they might have to let go because of you know some cap issues, and it's a guy the Rangers have looked at possibly in free agency. You know, some others. You know, Seth Jones looks like he's going to be moved. He wants out of, or he basically told Columbus that he wasn't going to resign. Um, so they're looking to get rid of him. Oliver Ekman Larson's name has been on the trade, you know, rumors, and he's another guy tied to the Rangers. And I don't think that's going to happen either. I think the Rangers are going to go out there a veteran defenseman, but I don't think they're going to have to go pay $8 million for someone. Unless Jacob Trouba is going back on that deal, it's really tough for the Rangers to swing that and put all that money in the back end, especially when you're going to give Adam Fox an extension, hopefully this summer, lock that guy out for eight years and just don't worry about that contract. I mean, it's a no-brainer for the Rangers to lock him up. And it seems like these guys are taking eight-year deals and they're taking that security of the length of the contract over waiting it out. You know, Nugent Hopkins took the eight-year deal instead of going to free agency. Eck up in Minnesota just took a eight-year deal, similar thing, didn't go to free agency. So if that's a trend, maybe guys are a little worried about the new CBA coming out. But I wouldn't mind Fox taking that eight-year deal and kind of selling it maybe at a lower you know, lower salary than he might get in a couple of years. I, I don't know. I think he'll probably wait till the McCarr contract is signed before he gets his done. But it'd be nice for the Rangers to lock him up this offseason so you don't have to worry about next year when the entry level does come up. Although he'll be a restricted free agent. You know, he won't be a UFA, but still, it'd be nice to get that uh, security of having the Norris Trophy winner on your team for years to come. And just talking in general about the Rangers, you know, you got Buchnevich's deal. You know, you got to get renewed Buch's deal. You got to renew Igor's deal. And I really haven't heard much talk about their contracts at all. It seems as though everything's very quiet surrounding the Rangers' contracts. You know, other than Lindgren resigning and Howden just because of the expansion draft reasons, it, it seems like they're kind of putting that kind of stuff off right now. I, I'm sure there's conversations happening. But there's been no detail that I've seen about any deals or uh, length, the contracts, or anything from those two guys that are coming out. So, uh, again, Buchnevich is a very big question mark. How big of a deal does he get? You know, what kind of future does he have in New York? You know, is he a guy that 
they gonna want to sign to a five six year deal contract that he's gonna be here for a while, or is he to get a similar to a Ryan Strom deal with a two year deal? And you kind of look to possibly move him at the next two trade deadlines if you know the Rangers are you know either out of contention or you know if he continues to pick up his play and he's gonna basically hurt the Rangers financially by what he's gonna get in his next deal. But it's very interesting. It's just weird. I haven't you haven't heard anything about that at all. I can see Uber getting about a three year deal. That's what I said. Uh, so I predicted it'll be a three-year contract. And I think uh, some Ranger fans want to sign him long-term. I don't know if the Rangers will sign him for to a long-term deal just because he is still unproven. I mean, he hasn't you know been in the league for too long. You know, He got a taste of a couple games in his first you know, rookie season in 2019. And his last season, obviously, he wasn't a rolling starter. Had flashes of brilliance, had some struggles. But, you know, again... When you look at the goalie situation, you know, is Gorgiev give you your backup? Is Kincaid give you your backup? Do you move Gorgiev? Makes a lot of money for a backup goalie. If you give Igor a bigger deal, you really can't afford Gorgiev anymore. So, you know, that all plays into the decision, which I'm sure Chris Drury and the team in the front office are all well aware of and, and taken care of. But, uh, yeah, it's just really interesting. And then this week's conversation with John Shannon is fantastic. I mean, what an unbelievable hockey mind. It was awesome having him on. It was great just talking to him. And you'll hear the conversation. It, we start off talking about how he got into hockey and, and, you know, the certain jobs and stuff he had. And one of the things we got into was the Olympics. And we kind of had differing views on it because I think the NHL should be sending their players over there just because I personally think it's a great marketing tool. But he brought up a very good point with how great the Vancouver Olympics were and how it really did not impact the NHL viewership afterwards. But again, as a hockey fan, and most people who are listening to this podcast are big hockey fans, you want to see the best and the best play each other. You know, I want to see Patrick Kane take on, you know, Ovechkin and the Russians. You know, that's what I want to see. You know, I want to see Sidney Crosby and, and Big Bay Canada go up against, you know, Sweden and all those unbelievable players there. I want to see the best in the world play. And I understand it's been a weird, two weird seasons and the the players, I know the players want to go, like John said, the players want to go. But you have a guy like, you know, and I had a bad example in Hedman because I know he got, he wasn't included in the last Swedish Olympic team, and he was upset about that. But if you have a guy like Ryan McDonough, and you just came off a bubble championship, then you play this weird COVID season, you play until July with another championship, then you got training camp starting back in September, NHL season starting in October. And then you're going to go and, and take, was I think it was 17 days, and you go play an extra, you know, eight hockey games over at the, it's a lot of hockey for these guys, but I know they'll do it. I know they want to do it, but I understand the NHL possibly want to protect them and the Player Association want to protect these guys. And like John Shannon said, the, the end goal is the Stanley Cup, uh, as cool as the gold medal is, and uh, what a great honor, you know, that is to win for your country. But obviously the end goal for these guys is the Stanley Cup. And that's what they, you know, that's what they, that's what they want every year. That's what the goal of uh, coming to the NHL is for most of them is to win that. So I understand that, but it was a very good conversation. I know a lot of people, it's like kind of the buzz right now with the summer Olympics coming up, you know, what's going on with the winter Olympics, you know, and, and hockey's been thrown out there a lot of, um, you know, what are they going to do? And, and it seems like John broke the news um, and he shared it again on the podcast. The NHL is going to put out two schedules. You know, one with the Olympics and one without the Olympics. So, be very interested to see what they actually end up uh, deciding. You know, I'll be rooting for 
you know, the big guys to be over there. But again, like I said in the interview, it doesn't matter who's over there. You know, I'll still be rooting for Team USA no matter what. It could be myself in a hockey jersey. You know, it doesn't matter. You know, I'll be rooting for Team USA. But before we send over to our awesome interview with John Shannon, let's send over to our man, Sean Avery, to tell you more about our sponsors over at Magic Hockey. Iowans, you have dozens of betting options. Try a sports book built by bettors and run by bettors. Fred Doan started BetFred over 50 years ago with funds from a winning bet, and he's been known for delivering the best betting experience ever since. Visit BetFredSports.com to give us a try. New customers betting $50 get 111 in Fred bets and up to 200 Fred bets per week for five weeks. Terms apply. Proud partner of the Iowa Cubs and Iowa Wild. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. With the Baker's Plus card, it's easy to get lower than low prices for the win. Earn fuel points on every purchase and save up to a dollar a gallon at the pump. The Baker's Plus card. All you do is win. Big, big savings. Sign up now at bakersplus.com and start saving. Baker's. Fresh for everyone. Savings may vary by state. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your favorites with the buy five or more, save a dollar each sale. Simply buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with your card. Baker's. Fresh for everyone. All right, I'd like to make an announcement, okay? The boys at Magic Hockey, okay? What we are doing here, we are putting our stake in the ground. We have arrived, all right? Magic Hockey is bringing the lightest twig to the market without crazy margins like the big brands. I want you to go check out at Magic Hockey on Instagram or magichockey.com for details. Now, I just happen to be on the website right now, okay? We're looking at bulk orders. We got fucking custom hockey sticks, the illusionist, the magician, the goddamn deceptor. We're bringing you NHL quality product at a fraction of the cost, okay? Because we're squeezing out the middleman. We're not greedy. We just want everyone snapping crispy passes, all right? Hitting those one-timers on the nice sweet spot. So depending on your size, your weight, whether you like a stiff stick, a fucking crispy stick, you got the illusionist, which is the low kick point, you got the magician, which is the mid kick point, and then you got the deceptor, which is a little bit of a hybrid kick point, all right? All you gotta do is go to magichockey.com or at magichockey on Instagram, and on behalf of the boys at Magic Hockey, I wanna say, get ready. Get ready to be crispy. You fucking tape that stick up, you make sure it's your baby, okay? You put it in the fucking bed at night with you. You get a stick handle and little clinic going on before you jump into the covers. That is your weapon. We are in a war called life. Magic Hockey is here to change the game. Let's go. Today we're joined by a very special guest, Hockey Insider, and one of the biggest names in hockey entertainment, Mr. John Shan. Thanks so much for joining us. I don't know. It's not that big a name. It's only about eight letters. Oh, <laughs> Kyle, it's not. Well, you are known throughout Canada, throughout the U.S., throughout the world for your hockey takes and your uh, just all you gave back to the game in general. So I do want to ask you, how did you first start and fall in love with the sport? Oh, gosh. I thought you said we only had 40 minutes. Um, <laughs> So uh, I grew up on uh, I grew up in uh, in British Columbia, uh, the most westerly province in our country. Uh, I grew up in a uh, 
And if you're a geography major, I grew up in the northern extension of the Sonora Desert, uh, where we had less than 10 inches of precipitation a year. Uh, we had cactus in our backyard in Canada. Uh, and therefore, we didn't have an arena in my hometown. We had lots of basketball courts, uh, but uh, we, we didn't have an arena, and arena wasn't built until I was a teenager. Now, that said, is I've, I've, I can't skate anyway, so it doesn't matter. Uh, I've never skated, but um, I've always loved sports, grew up in a, a family of sports. And you know, in, in our country during the 60s, the two biggest sporting uh, cycles were the NHL season and the CFL season, the Canadian Football League. And Canadian football was massive when I was a kid. It was huge. It's, it's not as big now, but it was it was almost on par with the NFL, salary-wise, Certainly ratings in Canada, it was bigger. Um, so I, I loved both the CFL uh, and the NHL and loved the NBA. Uh, grew up a uh, five-hour drive from Seattle and uh, fell in love with college basketball and th- fell in love with this Seattle Supersonics. So I, I was just a sports fanatic. My brothers were sports fanatics. My dad promoted that we would become sports fanatics. So that's how I started to love the game. I, I couldn't, as I said, I couldn't skate. Um, there were a few things personally that just made it impossible for me to be an athlete. So um, the best thing to be, a, to, to be in the business, in, in the sports world, was to be in broadcasting. Uh, and I dearly wanted to be a play-by-play guy, just like every other kid in the world, um, or, or on the air somewhere on radio or in television. Uh, and so that was by the time I got into uh, junior high, uh, that was my goal was to be a broadcaster. I had my own radio show when I was in grade eight, grade nine, which is in, in the American system, I guess grade nine's freshman. So in my freshman year, I had a, I had my own radio show Mondays and Fridays talking about high school sports. Uh, and then I, at a certain point, I decided I would go to university for training and got lucky, got accepted to a university in Toronto. Uh, and it just so happens that university was two blocks from the Hockey Night in Canada office. And I, I made it a goal that I was going to get a job at Hockey Night in Canada. So I, over a period of time, and you're going to laugh at this, Kyle, I, over a period of time, I camped myself out in the office to the point where the receptionist knew my name. I knew most of the people coming in the office. And uh, when the president of the company turned to me and said, young man, everybody who works here wears a shirt and tie, I said, I'm sorry, sir, I don't work here. And he says, well, you do now. And that's how I got a job. I just, I was persistent, persistent, persistent at, uh, at learning about the business and storytelling and statistics and started as a $10 a game uh, gopher runner. We called it runner in Canada, gopher on hockey night in Canada on Wednesdays and Saturdays. And that's how it started. That's unbelievable. Just camping out in the office. And oh, just... yeah. No, I was persistent. I, I, I would go in. I'd go in and I would ask them, would you, would you look at my audiovisual presentation that I just did? And, and somebody would. And then, but then I'd go back and somebody would say, hey, what are you doing here? Come on in. Let's talk. And then, and then I, was, I, I was a stats freak. Uh, and because, I, as I said, I, mean, I, I don't really know how to play the game. Uh, I don't know what it takes to skate. Uh, I'm not sure. Uh, I mean, I, I do understand the tactics of the game, but you know, I'm not big into 
into the left wing lock and F1 in deep. I don't, I, and I don't believe people at home are either. Um, so I, uh, uh, so I got there by knowing stuff, trivia, information, statistics, everything about every organization, who did what. And so when somebody would turn around and say, yeah, what does this guy do now for the Colorado Rockies in 1979? I would be able to tell him what that guy did. And I became a jack of all trades for our company. I also think I saw somewhere in a previous interview, you were a Ranger fan growing up? Absolutely. I love it. Absolutely a Ranger fan. I think the team that, you know, that when and Brad Park was on the blue line, Eddie Jockerman, I loved Eddie Jockerman as a kid. And Gilbert Rattel, you know, and Hadfield. You know, I, I, you'll, you'll laugh at this, but I live in suburban Toronto, Kyle, and uh, it still thrills me every time when I go by Vic Hadfield's golf. <laughs> and I go, that's Vic Hadfield. He was, he was one of my boyhood idols. You know, he wore number 11 for the New York Rangers. That to me, that's, that's magic. Yeah. Uh, and I, I love those teams. I love the team, uh, the, the 72 team uh, that lost to Boston in, in the Stanley Cup final. I, I adored that team. I knew they couldn't beat them, but that to me was, uh, for me, that was the pinnacle of, uh, the pinnacle of, of, of my hockey fandom uh, for the Rangers. My favorite player of all time of all time is Andy Bathgate. Number nine. Uh, for, for lots of reasons, uh, it, it, not only did he play for the Rangers, but he also played a lot of minor pro hockey in Vancouver, which was the largest big city to my hometown. And, and then, you know, fortunate in, in the line of work that I have, I get to meet these people and get to walk with your idols. And it's kind of cool. So you were saying, so you started Hockey Night in Canada, which is the biggest, you know, the most popular hockey show in the world, basically, especially during that time. Oh, yeah. Um, there was, covered, like there was nothing, nothing like it. There was nothing like it. Yeah. I mean, can you use here in America, obviously it's not a big deal. Hockey night in Canada. You know, we, you know, we have the NBC does their, you know, Saturday night games and stuff like that. How big is hockey night? Can you use, like sum up for everyone? How big that show, how big that game is for everyone? Well, I think it's changed uh, because, every, you know, hockey night in Canada got its position in, in our country because not every game was televised. You know, your generation, um, you don't understand that, you know, television was special. <laughs> now it's just um, run of the mill. And now we're trying to find other things be above and beyond television to make special. But television was special then. And the, the national nights, we had two national nights of hockey in Canada for the longest time. We actually only had one for starting in 1952. Uh, again, knowing the history of what you were working on helped me. Um, so we had Saturday night hockey. Um, and then in the 1970s, there started another version of Hockey Night in Canada on Wednesdays on, strangely enough, on the opposing network, which was fascinating. So if you worked at Hockey Night in Canada, you worked both at CBC and at CTV at a time, which was kind of cool. So we had, and, and the Tuesday night game that the Maple Leafs were in Buffalo, that, that wasn't necessarily televised. It was on radio, but it wasn't necessarily televised. You know, regional broadcasts, for the teams might have been 25 games, not the other 65 games. So there were lots of games that were just on radio. Uh, and re actually, quite frankly, radio was where I got my love of the sport because it was, there was nothing better than lying in bed and listening to a hockey game and, you know, and, and, you know, with the transistor radio underneath your pillow. 
now everybody that your age is going to have to go and Google transistor radio because <laughs> everybody, everybody had a transistor radio with a little earpiece and you could, uh, you know, that was in the days when the world series was in the afternoon and you snuck it into your, your math class. So you could listen to the, to the world series game between the tigers and the Cardinals. So when you first got into hockey night, can you start producing, you became a, I think uh, you took over, I believe it was the Alberta division for a while on the West coast. How great was it to come in at the same time as Wayne Gretzky as he was blowing up as a star that time? Not well. First of all, it was it was the the chance of a lifetime, and it was the greatest gift I ever got career wise was to be able to move to to Alberta uh, and be involved in in production for uh, not just Edmonton but all four Western Canadian clubs at that point. Winnipeg, Calgary came a year later after we moved. Uh, then Edmonton and obviously Vancouver. Uh, and then when you think about it from 19, uh, 1982 to 1990, there was a team from Western Canada in the Stanley cup final every year. Yeah. Vancouver was in an 82. Then Edmonton went for two. Calgary went for one. Edmonton went for two. Calgary went for one. And then Edmonton went for one. So I got, I was at the right place at the right time. Uh, and got ex- and just like a player, you get exposed to the exposed to the playoffs, and you get lots of reps, and you and you you learn things, and you meet people, and you glean it, and you enjoy it. So I I just that was a I, I I believe it was a fluke that it happened that I got the the opportunity to move to Western Canada. I think I got the job because I was Western Canadian, uh, and I. St- I, but by the way, I still think I think Western Canadian because there is a different way of thinking. It's just like a guy from Chicago thinks different than a guy from New York. Um, but at the same time, to be around Wayne and Mark and Paul Coffey and Grant Fuhr and uh, Yari Curry and Glenn Anderson, all those great Edmonton Oilers. And in Calgary, it was Lanny McDonald and Jim Poplinski and Mike Vernon. Al McKinnis uh, was, and, and by the way, the, one of the great thrills of, of the business, Kyle, is, is that if any of those people uh, are in the same room and we're all together, um, they'll come and say hello. And uh, again, as a fan, uh, that's a real thrill that these people who are legends in our game uh, treat you as an equal and a peer. So of all the games that you've produced for and everything else that you've been involved with uh, a number of um, like you said, Stanley cups, Olympics. Yep. Is I think there... I've been to 30 or 31 Stanley cup finals there you in go. the end, not, not produce all of them. Cause I mean, I've, I've had different jobs, but I think it's 30 or 31 Stanley cup finals. And how many Olympics have you done? Seven, I think seven. Olympics. seven. Yeah. Is there, is there a series or a game or anything that sticks out to you as your favorite event you covered? Uh, well, it, it, there's a couple. Um, but all for different reasons. You're, you're, you know, the, the first Stanley cup I produced, I did, uh, in 1980, uh, the Bob Nystrom overtime game winning goal in game six, I produced the games in Uniondale that year for the final. Uh, and it was a, a whirlwind for me. I was 23 years old. I probably shouldn't have had the job. Um, but it, you know, again, opportunity knocked uh, somebody got, uh, sick or, or hurt their back. And they said, you're next man up, you, you're, you're producing. Um, and so I did, I did four rounds of playoffs that year, three rounds. Cause I think there's only three rounds that year. I can't remember. They all blend together after a while. Um, so, for, so from that perspective, uh, that first one at Nystrom's overtime winning goal, I'll always be aligned with the Islanders. I was there for all four of their cups. 
some great friends, great friendships came out of there. Bill Torrey, Al Arbor, both of them have passed now. We became friends. Jiggs McDonald, the voice of the Rangers, is still a great friend. Uh, lots of people. Billy Webb, who went on to be, I think, the greatest baseball director, with all due respect to Harry Coyle, the greatest baseball director, Bill Webb, who worked at Fox and has passed away, was the director for the Islander version of the broadcast, was a great person. Uh, these people became friends. And so that, that certainly was a great way, a memorable way to start a career uh, in producing championships. Uh, the other one that, I, uh, the, the other two that stick out were 1998 in Nagano, Japan, where the first time the NHL players came to uh, the Olympics. Um, and I, I, was, I was in charge of the host broadcaster uh, feed for the whole world uh, for that tournament. Uh, and got uh, some inside access to how the Federation works, how the NHL relationship worked with the Federation. So that was memorable. Uh, and then, quite frankly, 2002, I, I got an opportunity to work for NBC at the Salt Lake Games. And um, it, that might have been the most emotional, yet uh, high-pressure event that I was ever part of that I just, you, you just loved. Uh, and that was a that was a tournament in the end that Canada won not only just the the men's hockey gold they won the women's hockey gold yeah uh, and both both of the ghost games the Thursday night women's game uh, still might be the most um, low key uh, emotional emo moment for me and then the men's tournament the men's game uh, Canada versus the United States Pat Quinn versus Herb Brooks. All those superstars on both teams on the ice uh, and Canada winning was, that was electric. That was truly electric. Yeah, here in the States, we wish it went the other way, but, uh, but yeah, that's well, probably, probably yeah. one of the greatest hockey games though ever. You know? Well, it, but you know what? It was funny in 1998, uh, we all expected Canada's women's team to be the dominant force uh, in Japan at the Olympics and Angela Ruggiero and Cami and all those great hockey players that really put uh, w uh, women's hockey on the map in the United States did just a magnificent job. And, and we're, we're by far the better team uh, at the first, at the first time that the, the women ever played uh, Olympic hockey. And, you know, that the special thing about 98 is being the first Olympic gold, they can never take away the first Olympic gold. And th that, that American team does have a special place for me too, because of that. Tell you what, those two teams have been going head to head since then. It's been incredible. Uh, just the rivalry that those you know two countries have had women's hockey. It's every time they play, it's an electric game. Yeah, it's, we, it's crazy. Yeah, it, it is. Uh, and and women's hockey across the world is getting better. Uh, but and there needs to be uh, there needs to be a broadening of the of the sport to more countries. There has to be more support given to women's hockey everywhere. You, you know, it is great in our countries. It really is. Uh, but it doesn't work as a two-country sport. You know, the, yeah. the, the Finns are getting the Finns are getting better. The Swedes are getting better. Uh, the Russians should be better. Uh, and, uh, but but the, the federations in those countries don't spend near the money on women's hockey as they should. And you know that's something that the, the uh, IIHF has been fighting for a long period of time. I remember being part of a uh, a hockey summit here in in Toronto. To talk about where the growth of the game on the women's side was supposed to go and you know the amount of information that canadians and americans give to other countries 
That's the only way women's hockey is going to thrive and survive on, uh, on the international stage. If it's just two countries, it doesn't really work very well. Hi, everyone. I'm Dr. John White, WebMD's Chief Medical Officer and host of the Spotlight On series from WebMD's Health Discovered podcast. For this special two-part episode, you'll hear up-close and personal journeys about being diagnosed with a rare type of cancer, multiple myeloma. He looked at me. I have been his patient for more than 20 years. And he said, this is really strange. You're an African-American, age 57. I've never seen this before. This back pain that you're continually having with no signs of osteoporosis. No signs, exactly. And I didn't have any signs of osteoporosis in my family history. Listen to Health Discovered on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Iowans, you have dozens of betting options. Try a sports book built by bettors and run by bettors. Fred Doan started BetFred over 50 years ago with funds from a winning bet, and he's been known for delivering the best betting experience ever since. Visit BetFredSports.com to give us a try. New customers betting $50 get 111 in Fred bets and up to 200 Fred bets per week for five weeks. Terms apply. Proud partner of the Iowa Cubs and Iowa Wild. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. You made the jump after a while to in front of the camera. Was that a, a huge change for you or was that something that you were ready to do and just kind of took it in stride? <laughs> I don't think you take anything in stride, Kyle. <laughs> um, well, I, I, I had just finished a, a five-year stint working for Gary Bettman at the, uh, at the National Hockey League office in New York. And, uh, and I, 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 didn't, I never moved my family. I was in New York a, a five, five days a week. Uh, but my family didn't move because my kids were in high school. So there was a point that it was time to move on for both of us. I, I, you know, they were, I think they were probably growing tired of my act and they were, and I was growing tired of theirs. So it was, a, it was, a, and we're still, everybody at the league, we're still great friends. Uh, I view a lot, lots of those people there as confidants and people that have left the league. We still are in touch. So I came home thinking I was going to retire, that I was going to dabble in freelance production and, and take some time and maybe travel. And I got a phone call from uh, one of the networks here asking me if I would consider going on the air. And as I told you earlier, I loved radio. I was not necessarily in love with television um, on the air. So I, I said, well, I, I would consider doing the job. Uh, but I would really like a lot of radio in, as part of that. And it took us about two and a half to three months to negotiate a deal that made sense for them uh, that I was happy with. I, you know, I, I was one of those guys, Kyle, that if, if I had walked into me to look for a job on television, I said, I, you're too ugly. I wouldn't hire you. <laughs> um, so I always believed that, that I, you know, I'm, I'm not necessarily the best looking guy for television. So you have to come and you have to be prepared with information. And then you have to learn how to manage yourself on, on television with expressions and with uh, you know, breathing patterns. And I had to learn that as a, you know, a mid-50s guy, guy or early 50s. I had to learn all of that, even though I had been giving people tons of advice for almost four decades about how to, how to work in front of the camera, how to work with a microphone. 
What do you think about the transition now for ESPN and TNT taking over the uh, NHL rights? Do you think that's going to be a positive for the NHL, or do you think it's going to be kind of a learning curve for the first couple of years? Well, there's always going to be a learning curve. Change, change begats a learning curve. I don't think there's any question about that. The, the one thing I would say is, and I've seen it already a little bit, is that uh, within ESPN's programming, you see snippets of hockey where you would never have seen them before. Uh, same thing with Turner. There, there is a few times that you've seen a hockey highlight or a, a, a hockey mention in a promo uh, when it comes to what Turner does so well in sports. So that part um, is a positive. The shoulder programming, the, the association, that's a positive. Uh, but there's going to be a learning curve. Make no mistake about it. When, when NBC had this down to a really well-oiled machine, 16 years, it was a well-oiled machine, and it got better as the years went by. Uh, the amount of content that NBC created uh, on, you know, for the most part, NBC Sports Network, uh, but even online uh, and certainly over the air on on, on the main network uh, when it came to big events. Uh, NBC did a really good job, and it, it would be incorrect to think that ESPN and Turner are going to be at that level right away. It's going to take a learning curve. I don't know how, the long, how long the learning curve is, uh, but it's going to take a learning curve, and you know that part that part's something that we have to we have to be prepared for. I, I want people to be able to give both networks a chance. You know, the, the, the residue of what ESPN had in, in hockey, gosh, 2004 was the last year that group of people were involved in the Stanley Cup, and that was the Tampa-Calgary Stanley Cup final. Uh, the game has changed. People have changed. Uh, there's going to be some... There's going to be some people, be, not necessarily in front of the camera or, or on microphone, but there's going to be some people behind the scenes that are going to have to be retrained on how the game is produced and what needs to happen. And I'm, I'm sure the same would be said for Turner, who I'm not aware of anybody within their realm of having very much hockey expertise. Do you think in the long run that's going to be a positive for the league, though? you think it's a better move for them to move over to a larger network like ESPN? Well, it's more money, Kyle. Yeah. I mean, I mean, oh, yeah. it, it, I mean it's it's... In the end, um, they more than doubled their, uh, uh, their, their rights fee so that all 32 teams get money from this. So that's a positive. Um, I, I, I do think um, when, when you sit and watch what both ESPN uh, as, as a whole network, and particularly what Turner has done with the NBA, um, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't see much downside to this. And that's not a, criti a criticism of NBC because, as I said, I think they did a great job. Uh, but perhaps now is the time to try a, a new approach with new people uh, and, and trying to, to find a way to get beyond the hardcore fan. I mean, Kyle, you'll watch it no matter what. Yeah. You, you'll watch it no matter what. It's the person who lives in Little Rock, Arkansas, who is a devout ESPN viewer, uh, will they watch? Will they, and more importantly, will they give it a chance? And that's really the key. Will somebody outside of that hardcore fan that you and I are, 
that we would watch one camera in black and white that's semi out of focus going back and forth and think we can see the puck and we'd still be happy where we need to, we need to get beyond that guy because we're going to watch no matter what. It's the guy who was going to think, Oh, there's a hockey game. I'm waiting for a fight to break out. What do you mean? They don't fight very much anymore. Hey, this is kind of fun. Wow. That's different sound. These announcers are really exciting. Those are the things that we have to be able to put on a pedestal for an ESPN and for a Turner. And they have to, and they have to be willing participants in this to do it too, to try to grow the game outside the hardcore. So some stuff's coming up for the NHL. Now we have the Olympics. We were just talking about your coverage of the Olympics coming up. What are the chances now? I know you actually tweeted out, I believe it was your, you were the one who actually had it that the NHL is putting out two different schedules schedules. next year. Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, the, the teams, what they will only unveil one schedule uh, probably in about two weeks. Okay. There'll probably be a, one schedule. But the teams have had look, have looked at both schedules. The teams who, what? they get to push back and say, we don't like this road trip. We don't like that road trip. So they've, they've seen both. Does the schedule include the Olympics, though? Uh, one of the two, two schedules. One is, a, one is an Olympic schedule. One is a non-Olympic schedule. So they'll put both those schedules out there? Or is it just... No, or- no, no. They'll only, by, by the time... By the time July 23rd comes, they'll only put one schedule out. But they, hey, listen, Kyle, how many schedule changes did did you see this year? I I just want to see the, I don't want to see NHL players back at the Olympics. That's why. Why? Why? I think, I think it's silly the NHL not to do that. It's free marketing from us, the world's biggest event. You got, you're not going to have the world's best players there. So why hasn't it, do you think it worked in 2010 in Vancouver? Do I think what worked? The, The Olympics? Yeah. I mean, yeah, the Olympics was fantastic for hockey. See, I, I, I might disagree with you. I, yeah, I mean, I guess from a U.S. perspective, you had more people in the U.S. watching because the U.S. was in this gold medal game against Canada. Right. But did it carry over? Did it carry over to NBC's numbers? And did it carry over to MSG's numbers? Did it carry over to Nesson and to all at that point, the Fox Sports regionals? Did, did that carry over? No, I no. You're right. I don't know. So, don't so, so, so like, then, what kind of marketing is this? Yeah, I yeah. I mean, I always think the NHL maybe lacks in their marketing anyway for a lot of their star players uh, in general. But. Well, hold on. I mean, you know, this is a good conversation. Uh, the commissioner was on Hockey Night in Canada on Monday night, I think it was. Hi, everyone. I'm Dr. John White, WebMD's Chief Medical Officer and host of the Spotlight On series from WebMD's Health Discovered podcast. For this special two-part episode, you'll hear up-close and personal journeys about being diagnosed with a rare type of cancer, multiple myeloma. He looked at me. I have been his patient for more than 20 years. And he said, this is really strange. You're an African-American, age 57. I've never seen this before. This back pain that you're continually having with no signs of osteoporosis. No signs, exactly. And I didn't have any signs of osteoporosis in my family history. Listen to Health Discovered on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. And he talked about, and, and this, is, this is something that a lot of people have to realize. Hockey is the greatest team sport in the world. 
It's not the greatest star sport in the world. It's the greatest team sport in the world. You know, you know how many Tom Brady touches the ball 85 times a game. LeBron James touches the ball how many times a game? Gosh. I mean, with 44 points, 44 minutes, you know, I mean, he might touch the ball 150 times. You know, if, if Sidney Crosby has the puck on his stick for a minute 27, that's a lot. Yeah. We, you know, I mean, Tom Brady's on the field at least half the time. LeBron could be on for all 48 minutes. If, if Sid's on for 25, we're in, we're in apoplectic shock <laughs> that he played 25 minutes out of 60. This is a team sport. If you focus on the stars, you invariably, invariably will come up short and say, well, we really screwed up. I mean, look at this year. And, and now you got me going, Kyle. Look, look at this year. The best team in Canada on paper with all the stars was the Toronto Maple Leafs. With all their stars. And if we had focused on the stars of Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner, you know, John Tavares before he got hurt, they didn't get past seven games. To a team. To a team that was to, eight, to a team. To a, to to a, a team. team. Yeah, to, a to a team. team. And that's why we are the greatest team sport. Not the greatest star sport the greatest team sport. So w- w- it's difficult for us to focus on, we're going to make, we're going to make Alex Ovechkin a star. He's a superstar. We're going to market around Alex Ovechkin and then boom, out in six to Boston. Yeah. And I, so what, and so what have we, what have we told, what, what, what have we told, what have we told the, 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 the hockey fan or again, the hard, the hardcore you and I will watch anyway. We have told that that newbie, that guy that's well. You told me that Ovechkin was the best player. Why is he playing still? I don't know how. So that's where, and that's the challenge of marketing this game versus the other sports. I can tell you right now, the NBA, the numbers in the NBA, the ratings are fantastic. But you you know what? There's a they're heartbroken that it's not LeBron. Well, yeah, I I think same thing with football. You know, sure. Brady, Brady and Mahomes gets knocked out early. It's a little bit less of a a draw, yeah, I would think. Yeah, yeah. I guess just selfishly as a hockey fan, as a USA hockey fan, uh, you want to see the best on best, obviously. So I think selfishly, I want to see the stars go against each other. I thought the world championships were great. I hope they bring that back soon, too. I thought that was a great event. Um, I mean, the World Cup? The World Cup. I'm sorry. Yeah, the World Cup. So yeah. I think um, I think that was a great event. I just want to see more of the best on best against each other. I, you know, I. That's just as a hockey, like you said, we're going to watch, I watched the 2018 Olympics. I was, you know, had my Chad Kalark t-shirt on, you know, he's a friend of the program. I was rooting for Chad and, you know, former Ranger out there, you know, we had Bobby Sanguinetti on the team. Like, I, you can put me out there in a USA hockey Jersey. I'll watch it. You know, it doesn't matter, but um, you know, I want to see these young course, stars the, the, play. Yeah. But, but that, but will it translate for, for and listen, I, I there's going to be people watching this and you, you know, that, that old dog, he doesn't like change and he doesn't like doing, you know, doesn't want to go to the Olympics. That, that's not my point. Uh, my point is, is that let's go, let's go to the Olympics for the right reason. In addition to having those 150 players have a good time. You know, cause that's one of the reasons we're going is the players want to go cause mm-hmm. they think it's neat. Well, but, but is, is the game better off for it? Does a compressed schedule uh, that will that there's a good chance there'll be more injuries. Is, is that is that something to be 
the sacrifice in order to have 150 players, actually 150 players go to the Olympics and the other 800 players happy that they get two weeks off. Is, is that worth it? I'm not so sure. And, and here's the other thing. And, and this, is, this is my NHL, and I love the Olympics. Don't get me wrong. I've made a lot of money over the Olympics. I've done fine. I'm really, I love going. But this thing right here, Kyle. He's pointing at the Stanley Cup. The is the one. Stanley Cup. <laughs> and this, to me, the annual Stanley Cup tournament should be on such a pedestal that I, I wonder about, does going to the Olympics sacrifice that? I, I, I'm just asking that question. Does it sacrifice yeah, I, that? I would, if you're a guy like Victor Hedman, you just went in the bubble and played the entire time in the bubble, a shorter offseason, you come back and play the condensed schedule. Now you're playing into July, most yep. likely going to win another Stanley Cup yep. tonight, most likely. Yep. Then you go into a season in October, and then you're going to let – that's a lot for a guy like that. And he's considered a young – you know, a, a superstar in the NHL, someone who I'm sure Sweden would need on their team. So, I, you know, and then – if he opts out for that, is he now seen as a negative, you know, a, a me oh, Victor player? Wants to go. He wants to go. No, he I'm saying him. As, I'm just saying as like a general, as a example of someone, if they were to say, hey, listen, you know, I want to save my legs for the Stanley Cup. Are you seen as a me, you know, as a me player or as a team player? Yeah, I, this is not an issue with the players. We all know the players want to go. Yeah, we, we, that, this is not an issue for the players. Vic, you know, Vic, I, I will tell you right now, one of the one of the watershed moments of Victor Hedman's career was not being picked that's for true. an he Olympic got, team. That's true. He was passed over. Not being picked for an Olympic team. Uh, and it drove him. It drove him for years to prove everybody wrong. So, so that's – I just wonder – like, I don't – you know, it's, it, it's, we're taping this on July the 7th. I don't want hockey on July the 7th. <laughs> you know, I don't. I mean, I, I understand why we have it this year. I understand why we did the bubble last year. But in a real, in, in, in a return to some level of normalcy, I don't want hockey in July. And, and I, I'm concerned about that, too, if we add 17 days somehow to the schedule. I haven't seen the schedule, but, I, you know, I don't want to be, I'm, I don't want to be having to worry about whether it's the, you know, Canada Day or the 4th of July and where it fits into the Stanley Cup final. <laughs> The other big thing for the NHL is the expansion drafts coming up next couple of weeks with Seattle. Yeah. Do you think Seattle will have the same type of impact in the league Vegas did when they first came in? I think it will have some. I don't think it will have near as much because I think it's a buyer beware and a seller beware situation now. I think there's, there, there are teams that understand that, uh, you, you know, if, I'll give you this if you take, me, if you take this. I, don't do that anymore. Uh, uh, and again, I'm, I, maybe I'm an outsider on this one, but you're only going to lose one player. Yeah. You know, you're only going to lose one player. Uh, I mean, if your team, if your team and, and, and in theory, based on the ratio of what you do, it's going to be the, you know, the eighth best forward, uh, or the fourth best defenseman or your second best goalie. So, um, I mean, what? I wouldn't be in. I wouldn't be in very panicky mode about the expansion draft uh, compared to some other teams. If we lose a player, we lose a player. Life moves on, and 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 get and and let's not, you know, put our stomach in knots worried about you know this guy or that guy. I mean, the the teams that made deals the last time, Florida is a good example. They did it for financial reasons. 
you know, we'll give, we'll make this guy available, but you have to take this guy too, uh, because they were they didn't want to pay salaries. Um, those are different stories than what the expansion list looked like. The other team I would look at too. Don't don't be surprised if a team like Vegas, who are not involved in the expansion draft, play a little bit of a role here, becoming a dumping ground for certain players. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if George and Kelly uh, play a little bit of a role in, in, in quote unquote, helping a team facilitate. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And and I see, I see a team like Ottawa doing the same thing uh, because they have a ton of cap, ton of cap space and, and, uh, and a guy that's uh, trying to improve his, his roster very quickly. So that's what I was going to ask you about my Rangers. We have a lot of uh, cap space coming up. Do you think they could be possibly used at their advantage at the expansion draft or even possibly looking at the NHL draft? I, well, in the expansion draft, I mean, I think Chris could probably be able to, 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 to parlay something there, but who knows, who knows really what it is at this point. And, and cause I think, you know, I, I talked, I, I talked to two managers today, both of them, Iowans, you have dozens of betting options. Try a sports book built by bettors and run by bettors. Fred Doan started BetFred over 50 years ago with funds from a winning bet, and he's been known for delivering the best betting experience ever since. Visit BetFredSports.com to give us a try. New customers betting $50 get 111 in Fred bets and up to 200 Fred bets per week for five weeks. Terms apply. Proud partner of the Iowa Cubs and Iowa Wild. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Iowans, you have dozens of betting options. Try a sports book built by bettors and run by bettors. Fred Doan started BetFred over 50 years ago with funds from a winning bet, and he's been known for delivering the best betting experience ever since. Visit BetFredSports.com to give us a try. New customers betting $50 get 111 in Fred bets and up to 200 Fred bets per week for five weeks. Terms apply. Proud partner of the Iowa Cubs and Iowa Wild. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF both of them are in the mid of their pro scouting meetings right now anyway. So I think that we're going to start hearing before that deadline. What is it? I think it's the 17th of July. We're going to start hearing about teams and what they have to do and, and who they have to move and, or, or what they don't have to do in order to get ready for the Seattle draft first. How shocked were you with the Rangers decision to fire JD and Gorton? Oh boy. That was a hard day in my house. Yeah. Um, uh, I am, uh, I am very, uh, listen, I, my ties to the Rangers, um, uh, one way or the other, as we talked about my fandom of the Rangers, my ties to the Rangers are, have been long and loyal. Uh, there are people in that organization that I have had friends for years. I, uh, Glenn Sather has been a friend of mine for a long period of time, dating back to those days in, in Edmonton. Uh, John Davidson and I are the best of friends. So it was heartbreaking for me to see two of my friends on opposite sides. Uh, it really hurt. I, I think Jeff Gordon, um, you can see Jeff Gordon's imprints not only on the Rangers, but you can see them on the success of the Boston Bruins. Mm-hmm. Jeff Gordon is a really good general manager. Um, I don't know what happened. I don't know how it happened, uh, but it was sad. It was a sad day for hockey as a sad day for my friends. Um, and, uh, and it, uh, it's taken a long time for me to just even on a personal basis to get over it. How involved is, is, um, say they're involved now with the Rangers. Is he back to 
I know he they said he was kind of overseeing things. You think he's back to more of a day to day having mm-hmm. e- having something in Drew's ear? Do you think he's kind of taking up the backseat again? Uh, well, I think I think this is now Chris's team, and I think I think Chris has been able to 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 make that pretty evident that Chris mm-hmm. is making changes, and I do think that the organization has said, okay, listen, we, we you know we we made these gargantuan changes, uh, and 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 Chris has Chris has the leverage to say, well, I want to do it this way. What are they going to do? Fire him too? Yeah, you know yeah. they're not, and and so Chris has been given the opportunity to do it his way. Um, and listen, I, there will always be something special about, I love, I still love all those years working in New York. I loved walking down to the garden and walking up the elephant walk and, and standing in the Zamboni entrance and listening to the greatest, I think some of the greatest fans in hockey, uh, who love their team and, and love the game. Uh, that to me, every, every night I stood there in the corner and I was just in awe of what a great sporting spectacular spectacle MSG is. Um, so I will always have that special thing for me, but I'm, I must admit, I'm a little less, uh, I'm a little less, uh, inclined to be a Ranger fan these days. Um, Jack Eichel is the hot name for the Rangers right now. Every single person talks about every day. What do you, what do you think about? (laughs) Ask these fans, (laughs) ask these fans, have you seen the x-rays yet? No, yeah. So that's have, what, you, have you seen? Have you seen no the prognosis? Seen any, no one's seen anything yet. No one's seen anything yet. Every fan is a doctor. Everyone is a, a specialist. I had Gord Stelic on this last week, and Gord said if he was the GM of the Rangers right now, he would go after Eichel. Um, he said that just his talent alone, and I guess for the way he thinks, uh, whatever he's heard about the injury, he seems that it's not going to be a, a huge impact on his career. What do you think about Eichel coming to New York? I think it'll be great for the Rangers. I think it'll be great for Jack in general, for his career. Um, what do you think about that? What are you giving up? I mean, uh, I think a lot. <laughs> um, I, I mean, I think, that's, I, I think that's part and parcel with everything. What are you giving up? I mean, how are desperate you, are you giving up? About, what about uh, 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 Capo, Caco, or, or Lafreniere? Are you giving them up? I think I'd rather give up Capo instead of Lafreniere. I think Lafreniere has showed more in his rookie season than Capo possibly did, but Capo also had a very good sophomore year where he was more of a complete player. But they're both fantastic young players where, is it again, we've had this conversation a lot on the show, are you better off adding through free agency and small pieces with the young core you have now, or do you go make a, a giant you know, jump and get a huge piece? And I think it all ties back to what what Chris Drury and what Jim Dolan thinks if Jim Dolan, the reason why he moved on from those two is because he wanted to see more results right away. Then maybe Chris wants to go make that big splash to show that he's doing that. Whereas I think if they follow through with this kind of three, you know, they're only in year three of this rebuild. I think you were expecting at least a five to six year rebuild. And I think the way Gordon was going, it was going in the exact direction you wanted to. Obviously Panarin was a shot in the arm that you probably didn't expect you know, to hit and, you know, it's probably one of the best free agency signings Rangers have ever had. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, you know, I, I, as a Ranger fan, I am fine with the young core and watching these young guys grow up and, you know, give it another two years and contend for a playoff spot. But a lot of people want that big star back in New York. Really? So, so like, like how old are these people? Cause uh, like, how did, <laughs> how did, how did, how did the Yammer Yager experiment work? 
How did the Pavel Bure experiment work? I a lot of people forget my good friend uh, Neil Smith uh, bringing in all those large contracts, the Bobby Holik contract, the Scott Gomez contract. Well, they well, got Slats, I think Slats Slats was part of. I think, well, Slats was the, was was uh, I think uh, Gomez. I think, but still, the, the Rangers have such a long history of bringing in big name players that have not yeah. panned out. Yeah. And I, when they had success, it was through. The young guys, the Ryan Callahan's, the Henrik Lundqvist, the Dan Girardi's, that's when they had the success. They had homegrown guys. Well, so, so history repeats itself in, in, in professional sports all the time. And here we are in the middle of a Stanley Cup final, or actually not in the middle, near the end of a Stanley Cup final. And the Tampa Bay Lightning are, are in my mind, one of the best teams we've seen in 30 years. And... I think one of the great aspects that has made this franchise so good was patience over a period of time and developing their own players. Yep. Uh, and, and, you know, you know, you know it, it goes, I mean, there's been stories written in the last few weeks about, you know, the, the Norfolk Admirals of 2011 and this was the Genesis and well, that's where, that's where things do start. But then it's it's how you manage them when you get to the, the, the NHL level. Let's remember, this team went to the Stanley Cup final in 2015. Uh, the, the triplet line. The, do you remember the triplet line, Kyle? Of course. Triplets are Kucherov, Palat, and Johnson. All of them still on the team, maybe not playing together. All of them playing different roles now because they've all developed at a certain uh, in a certain stage individually. Um, the next year, I don't think they made the playoffs. Same team, didn't make the playoffs. What changes were made? Not very many because they had some patience. They knew what they had. They were pointed in the right direction. A couple of years later, they lose to Columbus in four straight games. What changes did they make? Not very many. Didn't change the manager, didn't change the coach, stuck with the plan. And look where they are now on the verge of winning their second consecutive Stanley Cup. Uh, I, I think there is something to be said with creating a plan, executing a plan, and even believing in the plan when things get a little bit bumpy, a little bit bumpy. Um, and uh, I think that's something that most organizations should look at from a, when they look at what makes Tampa tick and what makes Tampa successful. And that's what I would be doing if I owned or ran an NHL team. This NHL offseason in general, do you think there'll be major changes? To t- you think teams will take big swings in general because of the COVID season that just happened and teams wanting to shed some salary? Do you think there'll be some big-time players possibly moved? I think, we'll, I, I think that what's going to have to happen, you know, is this flat cap is, is going is to – it already is scaring teams. Uh, there are obvious places where um, – Players can try to move, but they don't want to, you know, they don't want to be in a position of, of sitting out there at the end of September or August, let's face it, end of August as a free agent and not have a deal. You know, what we saw, we've seen two long-term deals done. Um, Eric Sinek in Minnesota, Ryan Nugent Hopkins in Edmonton, where uh, both of them took job security over the big cash or going into free agency. Mm -hmm. I think that there's a common sense approach that teams will take. I think there's a common sense approach that agents and players will take. 
Um, might there be a one or two? I mean, if you can tell me who the best free agent available this summer is, perhaps. I mean, I, I don't know if there's anybody of Alex Petrangelo's ilk this summer as there was last. And that to me is the, that, that to me becomes the, the key as you, as you, you know that there's going to be, it's 81-5 this year. I think it's going to be 81-5 next year. And I wouldn't be surprised if it's 81-5 the year after that. All right, before I let you go, a couple quick questions here. What is your favorite story from your hockey career if you're covering things? There's something that sticks out in your mind as a funny, good story that happened to you along the way. Oh, no, I, I'm not sure I can, any of those stories I can tell publicly. <laughs> <laughs> what was the craziest event you had to cover? What was, the, what was something that you were covering? You're like, this is just nuts right now. Oh, gosh. You know, I, well, I, you know, I... I I mean, we, there were nights we did – the five overtime games are crazy. You know, when you do the Pittsburgh, Philadelphia, Keith Primo um, uh, overtime game, five in the morning and uh, or three in the morning and you got people to move, um, that, to me is, uh, that to me is as crazy as this game. There's, there's lots of individual things that happen in games. Some things positive, some things negative. Uh, but that's one of the, see, and Kyle, that's the magic of doing live sports, live television. Um, I know it's a cliche now, but I've been saying it for 20 years that, you know, live television sports is the original reality show. You know, it is the original survivor. Um, and that's what makes it so special. And we're not going to go to an edit suite and edit it. We're, we're going to do it live. We're going to make decisions and cut cameras and show replays uh, and talk about it as it happens, uh, as opposed to package it and have it play six months later. That's what makes live television sports so much fun. What was your favorite decade of hockey? Oh, I have a bias because, I mean, I got to watch, I think, two of the best teams ever in the history of the National Hockey League uh, in, in the 1980s and, and got to spend a, a lot of valuable time with some great, great hockey players in Calgary with Dougie Gilmore and Joe Neuendijk and, and with Wayne and all those guys we talked about earlier in Edmonton. So the 80s uh, were a spectacular time to watch the game, particularly because goaltending and goaltending equipment had not accelerated and caught up to the way the players were playing the game. Uh, and what we've seen since then is that we've seen goaltending actually improve to the point where it's, it's out distancing what, what the shooters can do now, and that's why the game is the way it is. And last question for you. If you had to change one thing, you were the commissioner of the NHL for one day, you had to put one change in, what would you do? Uh, I do. Well, I, I tell you what, I would, I mean, rule changes, I would get rid of, the, I, I would do more than one thing because I think they're all intertwined is uh, I would put the red line back in uh, and I would get rid of the trapezoid. I want to see my goalie play the puck. I want to see him to be involved in the game. Uh, and I, I think that that's a, that discriminated against the talents of some of the greatest goaltenders we had for 20 years. And I think it still does handling the puck is important for goaltenders and why we have said that they can't handle the puck at certain points of the ice to me is just inexplicable. I like that. Igor Shesterkin's a very good puck handler. So. Oh, listen, hey, there are, there are tons, there are tons of goaltenders that, that would be so much better. And I think it's a skill that goaltenders should have uh, at all times. I, I want to see it. Listen, I, I mean, Marty was the one who, who discriminated against the most. But there were two Marty's, Marty Turco, too, in Dallas. Yeah. Marty Turco was a hell of a, a stick handler. He taught Mike Smith, who's 
finishing his career in Edmonton, who had a stick handle and 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 Mike Smith has learned how to do it outside the trapezoid and 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 really helped his hockey club. And I think that there are a ton of goalies that would be much better and were and should be forced to be better if you if they could handle a puck anywhere behind the goal line. I like that rule. Well, John, thanks so much for joining us today. And uh, I hope you have a great rest of the summer. Hopefully we'll have you back on soon. Cheers, Kyle. Have a great day. Thank you so much to John Shannon for joining us this week. What an unbelievable conversation. What an unbelievable guy. I mean, he is one of the best hockey minds around. And I know it was a little different than our usual interviews. I know it started off pretty similar. We're talking about a guy's background, how they got into hockey, but it really got into just basically hockey talk. And it was great. I mean, to spitball and talk about ideas with, you know, someone who is so well known in the industry and has such vast knowledge of the game was incredible. So I cannot thank him enough for coming on the show. Make sure you go check him out on the Bob Account Podcast Weekly. They do have some great interviews. They have some great hockey guys that come on there. So go make sure you check them out on YouTube. And you go check out John's Twitter page. It's all that on there. Thank you again to our unbelievable sponsors over at Magic Hockey. They're just great. They're so great to work with. And you go check them out. Go check out their website, magichockey.com. They have an unbelievable sale running right now on their sticks. It's a $100 sale, which is insane. And they're the best hockey sticks on the market. So make sure you go there fast because I'm not too sure how long the sale is running. But go check them out. Go get your hockey stick now for next season. Crazy as it sounds, fall's coming right up. So for you training this offseason, you were looking for a new hockey stick, make sure you go check out Magic Hockey. Make sure you go check out magichockey.com and check out their Instagram page at Magic Hockey. So it's just unbelievable company to work with. I mean, you heard the ad from Sean Avery. They're awesome. They're great. They're going to be the next big thing in hockey. Get on now. Get it while it's cheap. You cannot get a stick like this for this price. It's unbelievable. So go check them out, magichockey.com. And that does it for episode 31 of the Broadway Hat Podcast. Please make sure you go check us out on social media. We are on Facebook and Instagram at the Broadway Hat Podcast. We are on Twitter at Broadway Hat Pod. You can find me on Twitter at KHallNY. Make sure you go and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review. We are teaming up with Alex's Lemonade Stand Foundation. So for every comment and review you guys leave on our Apple Podcast account, we will donate a dollar to the Alex's Lemonade Stand Foundation, which is a nonprofit fighting childhood cancer. So please, if you like charity, if you like this show, Go on to our Apple Podcast page, leave us a review, five-star it. For every review we get, we are giving a dollar to Alexis's Lemonade Stand. I just can't think of a better way to give back. I've had a couple people reach out to me about doing something similar to this, so I think this is a great company to team up with there. Also do some work with our company, Belly Up Sports, so I thought it was a perfect charity to get back to. And obviously, you know, fighting childhood cancer is an incredible thing. So please make sure you go and leave us the review. And I'll be more than happy to share every week with how much money we get back to the foundation. And I am so excited to uh, to start doing this. I, I, I can't, really can't wait. So make sure you please leave us a review this week. Make sure you go check us out on Spotify, on all Google products, Google Play. We had some issue with Google Play two weeks ago. We are now fixed that. 
So last week's episode was running fine on there. So it seems like we got all the um, whatever issue that was from episode 29 out of the way. So make sure you go check us out on all Google Play products, all Amazon products. Make sure you go check us out on Pandora and also on Spreaker. That does it for this week's podcast. And please make sure you go leave your review. I want to pay at least $20 by the end of this week to that foundation. Let's put 100. Let's put 100 reviews on there by the end of the month. Let's really do this. Thank you so much for listening. Talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name. And we're still here. Iowans, you have dozens of betting options. Try a sports book built by bettors and run by bettors. Fred Doan started Betfred over 50 years ago with funds from a winning bet, and he's been known for delivering the best betting experience ever since. Visit BetfredSports.com to give us a try. New customers betting $50 get 111 in Fred bets and up to 200 Fred bets per week for five weeks. Terms apply. Proud partner of the Iowa Cubs and Iowa Wild. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF.